0: Hey, guys, I'm Eric McLean.
1: And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We have a very exciting episode for our listeners today, Mac. Super pumped. We are still trying to get to that 100 subscriber mark, so tell a friend, post it on social, whatever you got to do, post it on on the TikTok where the kids are, Eric McLean. What I know you're very hip, you know, you know what the kids are doing, so that that's what we would say to get the word out, right, Mac?
0: Uh, no question. The, the the TikTokers of the world, please <laughs> uh, spread spread our message and and get it out there uh, to your friends and family. You know, TikTok is a very interesting platform. I have to say, Kelly, I, I am not um socially engaged with TikTok. Mm -hmm. Uh Khaki, I mean, every time I look at her doing something, she's looking at TikTok. So, you know, she is very intrigued by the uh the the world of TikTok.
1: The TikToks, gosh, whenever I say it like that, I feel like I'm 80. (laughs) The TikToks come across my Instagram. And when I do watch- I see them on
0: Instagram all the time. There
1: are some very funny ones. I will say that. They're hilarious.
0: I also have to say, Kelly, I am much more of a Vine stan Mm. than TikTok because the window of time was so much smaller. Like TikTok, I think you can do like a minute, two minute videos. Like that's not cool. I need six seconds of your best stuff. Let's go. So creativity wise, I feel like Vine was our peak and wherever we deleted it, I do not know.
1: Our peak as a society. Correct. That is right when we peaked. (laughs) It's all been downhill since then. Uh, One one could argue. One could argue. Well, Mac, one thing that you and I both have gotten into a lot this spring is softball. We have both been locked into softball. And I think just because Clemson added softball and they've been doing so well, so I've been keeping an eye on it. And then you've got a lot of other teams that are very good in the ACC. So we decided to reach out to one of the most well-known well-respected softball voices, Amanda Scarborough, and I'm very excited to have her on. She's going to break down everything we need to know as we get ready for the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, there's no question. Especially, I mean, timing could not be more perfect. She's about to. She's already had a crazy schedule, but it's about to get super weird. So, very excited and and happy uh, that she can make some time for us. Amanda Scarborough is one of ESPN's lead softball analysts across multiple. ESPN network. She has been calling game for the worldwide leader since 2009. And in 2015, she began providing analysis for the women's college world series covering the day side games.
1: Amanda played softball at Texas A&M and was the first student athlete in big 12 history to receive the freshman of the year and player of the year awards in the same season. That was in 2005. So Mac, we got a, we got a goat on our hands here. While at A&M, her team made two college world Series and she was a finalist for National Player of the Year in 2007. She was inducted into the Texas A&M Athletic Hall of Fame in 2014.
0: Listen, y'all, Kelly said it best. Amanda is one of the goats in the softball world. Let's get to it.
1: Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. We know right now it's crazy and I wish I had a different word. It's mayhem, as you guys say. It's like March Madness, but softball and on steroids because you've got all these games going on. So what has your schedule been like? I mean, can you take us into this uh, mayhem moment? Yeah, I swear
2: it like hits May 1st and it's just like craziness like officially starts to happen like for us as broadcasters. but on the field too. Like I, it just mm. takes a different level. So the games get more intense. There's bigger hits. Like everything is more at stake. So um for me, I finally got to travel last week to call games, which is a huge Come on. deal going no to the SEC oh, tournament. Yeah. And I remembered how much I despised traveling. I didn't used to hate <laughs> it, but now after being <laughs> off a year, I was like running to catch a flight. And then I was a Southwest flight. So I was last on, got a middle seat. And then like my bag was one and a half pounds over and they still charged oh, me no. $75. Oh, oh so you know just like all the good memories of traveling um all in one day happened so it's like wait calling games from our house has actually been kind of nice but it was really good to be there in person especially for the championship game
0: i love that it's so cool and and i just you know remember i called the fcs playoffs for football and, and just how fun it was to be back in person to have some some very limited you know human interaction and just like there's nothing like being live at an event and i know you Know what I mean there. So obviously you cover, you know, softball unbelievably closely. You're one of the goat of goats, if you will, in the sport. Can you just walk us through what was it like when the season was canceled last year for you? I mean, everyone obviously experiences things differently, but just kind of walk us through last year, March, what that was like for you.
2: Yeah. So I had just done Florida Auburn and had gotten back, and I think I was supposed to do Florida LSU the next weekend. And I just remember everything happened, like getting shut down so fast where I was texting Beth Tarina, the head coach at LSU, and like, we're going to play this weekend. Right. And then like that was on like at 8 a.m. And then like at noon, it's like, ah, we might not. And then like at 5 p.m. It's like season canceled. Everything's done. So it just like everything went so fast and I I remember you guys thinking, like, how did they know that, you know, in June when the Women's College World Series is going to be happening, that we won't be able to play? You know, like just feeling frustrated of like, didn't they make this decision too soon? Like, why did they make it so fast? And then it's like you got to June and May and it was like, okay, that is probably a a good decision. Like I kind of get it now, but you just saw tons of teams like having to learn each other in a different way, having to stay in touch in a different way, having to get motivated on their own. And I think at the end of the day, just really appreciating the fact that in this fall, whenever they got back with their teams and practice that they got to do it again and that we were going to have a season and that things were going to look relatively normal. So I remember being surprised and then just so thankful once we started the season.
0: Yeah, no question. You talk about being back and, and getting to somewhat normal, if that's even possible. I mean, just how much how important is it and how much does it mean, I guess, to you and to these players that you've spoken to, these coaches that we're having this tournament and, and that we're going to be playing you know, for a championship here in the next week and and into June?
2: Yeah. It means a lot. And there was a lot of drama with this bracket that came out on Sunday, but I think that you just have to take a step back and just even think about we're getting a chance to play this tournament and things went relatively smoothly during this season and almost too good to be true. So I just am so thankful. And like, I just can't even believe that it's happening to be honest. Like we're all so excited about it. And the media as broadcasters um, that we'll get to be there for the women's college world series in person. And that will have it. And that there will be a good amount of fans there too.
1: Uh, maybe not a hundred percent, but still a good amount. Well, I'm happy for you guys because last year having the season cut so short, you- it it just, it was so quick. And, you know, yeah. basketball did get to play on the women's side. We finished the ACC tournament and then it was cut off. But I'm also jealous that you get to be in person because we did not get that, at least for the beginning rounds. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll talk a little more about Oklahoma City um, a little later. But you bring up the drama and the controversy with the bracket. We have this every year in every sport. Someone's yeah. mad, right? Yeah. But and I'll, I'll tell you this, Amanda, it's been fun. I also do a radio show on the flagship station for Clemson. And this is just year two of softball. And we, we decided to have Coach Rippman on every week and, and start promoting it a little more. And it's gotten to the point where we don't, it's not like we're force feeding anybody anything. We get texts all the time. People are locked in on softball. We did probably an hour and a half on Clemson softball on Monday. And Clemson fans were not happy with the seating. What, what did you think about what happened with Clemson not getting to host? Well, first off,
2: I am a really big Clemson fan. Like there are, I I am. And I know that you're not supposed to be as a broadcaster. When I say fan, I I speak in an unbiased way. I I, like, I enjoy watching them play. Like a fan that way, you know, like I'm not like, oh, if Clemson loses, like I'm going to lose it. (laughs) It's not like that. But there are teams that, you know, you just enjoy watching play, whether they were playing in a big ACC series or in a midweek. So I just liked watching them play. And I think that it's really easy to emotionally get invested in a team when you are a fan. And when you have crazy passionate fans like Clemson does, and when you've had the crazy success that Clemson has had, and you have Valerie Cagle on your team, you think that they deserve the world. But when you look at the numbers and the strength of schedule that Clemson had, it was like a 96, I think, or It wasn't a great strength of schedule by any means. And then when you look at their number of top 25 RPI wins, they were four and five in those games. So I am definitely on the Clemson train. I think that they're fantastic, but the NCAA selection committee doesn't, doesn't look at emotion with it tied to it. And I think that's kind of where Clemson, K-Man is just not a great strength of schedule, not many top 25 wins, and they are a great team, but they just didn't earn a seat. And that would have been incredible if they would have, because this is their first season. But I think that that's why when you just really look at the numbers.
1: I Look, I'm with you on that 100% strength of schedule is a huge part of it. There's no doubt. And that's part of what the ACC is trying to do is build up its softball pedigree. The SEC, the Pac-12, the Big 12 have run this sport for a very long time. And so there's a lot to earn. Do you think if Clemson had beaten Duke and won both the regular season and ACC title in the tournament, they would have hosted? We were talking about that in the realm once we
2: saw the bracket. I think it would have put the selection committee at a much. Yeah, because tougher they sent decision. him to Bama, which kind of gave me the impression that maybe not. I know. And at first I said, yes, I think that if they would have won it, that they would have posted. But then when I really started to look at the numbers and kind of dive deeper into the bracket and them versus Duke or Florida state, I thought, I don't, I don't see how they could put them in because mm. I would think Duke and Clemson, not Duke or Clemson, uh, when you look gotcha. at Duke's numbers. So then you would have to take out a Washington or an Arizona state who was 15, 16. And I just don't see that happening. So Oh, it's so hard. This is such a tough one because then they got sent to Alabama who has crazy passionate fans and one of the worst places to go. So yeah. I get it. If you're a Clemson fan, what you're feeling right now. And I would be probably be feeling it too, if I were you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any question, but still, you know, just, you know, ridiculous what these women have been able to do yeah. in their second, really, I guess, first full year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nothing but respect and, and kudos to them. Another program who is fairly new. How about Duke? You know, taking the ACC by storm, earning a 13 overall seed. I mean, talk about the job that Coach Young has done there and just, you know, their fourth year yeah. you know, with Duke in, in their entirety
2: you can tell that they're really well coached. And I actually called their game last season, which seems like forever ago, whenever they got their first ranked win against Texas, it was here in Austin. And so I got to call that game and then seeing what they did this year against LSU early in the season. It's just like, you could tell this team was going to be a team that, competed. And so they're just so well coached. Marissa Young did a good job of putting her staff together. They are prepared. They pay attention to small details. They are in every game. They think that they can beat anybody. And so when you look at their entire year from February to now, they had a really good win against LSU early on, had a tough part of the conference season where they lost several games in a row, but I thought that they ended the season with this upward momentum that they're going to be able to take into the tournament. So I'm excited for Duke. Like if I was a Duke fan, I'd feel really good going into the tournament and they have really good pitching. And if you don't know anything about softball, what you do need to know is that the game starts in the circle. So Mm -hmm. Peyton St. George is awesome. Shelby Walters is incredible. A really, really good one, two punch for them. That makes them tough to beat.
1: Spoken like a true pitcher, but you are 100% correct. There is no doubt about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of your accomplishments a little later on because there's a parallel. There's a parallel with a great ACC player. Okay, Florida State, their program, again, trying to put ACC softball on the map. They won the national title a couple of years ago. That was huge for the league. They earned the number 10 overall seed this year. What makes them dangerous in this tournament? I think it's their experience
2: because of the fact that they still have quite a few players on that team that won the national championship a few years ago and their pitching, which we don't normally just go to the pitching aspect of Florida state first. And they've always had really good pitchers, but they've always had an explosive offense. However, that's been missing for them this year. And then to the point where it's like in February, it didn't come out like just bang in right away. And you're like, okay, well, they're really well coached. They usually get better as they go on, but that offensive component has just never really shown up for them. And I think that it's just kind of like a big question mark. I think when you look at the national seeds, like where is Florida state's offense, but good thing that Kat Sandercock and Kaylin Arnold are just having a really, really good year. And they've gotten better as the season has gone on because Lonnie Alameda is such a good pitching coach she's gotten them where they needed to be and they're peaking at the right time, even though their offense might not be.
0: I love that. I love that. So looking at the, the last two seeds for the ACC with Virginia tech and Notre Dame, you know, top 25 programs that are in the NCAA tournament. I want you to make a little bit of a decision here. This, this is the first time we're, we're asking okay. you to do that. Which of these two teams uh, and why do you think can make the deepest run in this NCAA tournament?
2: So Notre Dame finished on an upward swing too. And I felt like they had really good moments, especially when they beat Virginia Tech. I think they swept them, if not won three of four, but they just crushed against them. Um, and Alexis Holloway is like super competitive. Like I love watching her pitch, but I'm going to go with Virginia Tech and Tempe at Arizona State. I just think Keely Rochard, can beat a team like five days in a row. Like she just, you guys, the amount of innings that she's pitched and just how she stays so consistent and so strong is incredible. Like she has very good movement, good swing and miss stuff. And like, she's just hard to hit. Arizona State has a good hitting team, but I I just am a big Keely Rochard fan. So I would say Keely Rochard and Virginia Tech and and Tempe. I like how
1: you threw us for a loop there. I thought you were all in on the (laughs) Irish. You yeah. had me fooled, but see, spoken like a true broadcast pro, say a few nice things about Notre Dame, but then right. you know, Virginia Tech's going to advance. I, I love it. I, maybe they do, but you guys, Notre Dame's never been to a super
2: regional before. Mm. So just a fun fact about them. Could this be the year? I don't know. They
1: have a really tough regional in Lexington. So Notre Dame, I don't know where their baseball team's been great this year. Their softball team's been great. I, it's kind of surprising from Notre Dame and it's just, you know, the ground thaws so late in the year. I feel bad for yeah. them. Let's talk about you and Valerie Kegel, who have something in common. Valerie Kegel, ACC Player of the Year, pitcher for Clemson, and well, pitcher hitter. She does everything. Rookie of athlete, the year, athlete for Clemson. Yeah, athlete. <laughs> and a uh, little shout out here. Amanda was the pitcher of the year or the player of the year and rookie of the year in the Big Twelve in two thousand five for Texas A and M. So you've done that before. Now Kegel was technically a redshirt freshman, well, a second year freshman, a little bit in there. You didn't have the COVID year. What does it take to do something like that? I mean, how how is someone able to be player of the year, rookie of the year in the same season? Gosh,
2: for me it was just being really naive and just having <laughs> literally no idea what I was doing or like even that there were awards at the end of the season. I'm serious. Like I like I just went out and played. So for me it was just not knowing what was going on, but for her, she can know what's going on and she's still super driven. She doesn't let that pressure get to her. So it seems, and she knows how to finish games. I think that's something that's really, and when I say finish games, I mean, when she's pitching mm-hmm. there, there are so many great pitchers in our sport who can pitch phenomenal games one through six, but then they get to the seventh inning and they fold a little bit and she's just not really like that. So she has these really big goals. Like she wants 70 plus wins and 70 plus home Home runs like Lauren Hager, that's why she wears number 72. Lauren Hager was a national player of the year, pitcher hitter. Like she has these big goals and she's so driven to get there. So, it's the way that she pitches, way that she hits, she like can have outfield assist and right field. She's just incredible and I wouldn't be surprised to see her finish in the top 3 for national player of the year. I don't think that she'll win it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see her be named a top 3 finalist.
0: It's remarkable to see in, in softball. And, you know, we're seeing some in the MLB, you know, the guy that's leading in uh, oh, hey, right now also throws the ball a little bit. But <laughs> it's incredible to see, you know, just a, a position like pitcher totally dominate the game and then to be able to, you know, smack it out of the ballpark efficiently and effectively all the time. It's it's incredible to, to see that. Let's talk a little bit about the state of the ACC. You know, only having five teams in the tournament, but you do have two national seeds. How would you describe uh, softball in the ACC right now?
2: Yeah, I think it's in a really good place. I think that the new coaches that they've gotten with Pete Tomor at Virginia Tech, uh, the North Carolina State head coach Pitt just got a new head coach Syracuse, and then you have of course the staple of Lonnie Alameda. But then the two new programs of Duke and Clemson. Like I think that the ACC is on the rise, and I think that a big part of that, although Coach Alameda will never say that it was, but it's the FSU national championship plus the ACC network coming around. You see what the SEC network did for the SEC. Mm. It catapulted all the sports, but especially softball, because here's the thing, you guys. All softball needs is act like they just need access and like to have games put out and then people fall in love with it. No so doubt. that's why with SEC Network, the SEC started to take off because so many people are just passionate fans, just like the ACC, too, to where they, cl- they cling on to it. Then they want to donate. Then they want to go to the games and they want to follow it. Their ratings increase. So it just leads to more and more exposure. Better, better facilities, and then more passionate fan bases that more better recruits come to you. So I think that it's in a really good place. And I think that it's definitely just going to be continue
1: to be on an upward trend.
0: Come on, I love it. So well said. But
1: it's so true. It's so true. And I think the SEC network, you know, the SEC network didn't do that much for football. Like football, those games are going to be on CBS, whatever. But I think women's hoops, the SEC benefited a lot. You look at the rise of South Carolina. In Mississippi State, and then softball, I thought was a huge thing, and the ACC network seeing some of that too. So I'm with you on that. I think those TV networks have done a great job. Before I ask you about some predictions for Oklahoma City, the overall state of softball, because to me, the SEC, Pac-12 are the two conferences where the best teams are. Do you think it's just a matter of more schools like Clemson investing in these programs, and we'll see a little more parity across the whole country?
2: Yeah, I really think so. And recruiting is so essential. So if you're going to get a great player to come from the West coast, which are so many in Arizona, California, Texas, you have to have a reason for them to come. And facilities is a big reason. I heard that Clemson's going to be adding stands to their field, adding like thousands of fans. Like you, if you're a player, you want to be on TV (laughs) You want to play in an awesome facility and have great support around you. Like, isn't that a dream, right? Like Mm -hmm. we see MLB and NFL get to play in front of thousands of fans and and you're like, well, why can't that be me? And now it's like, it, Kind of can be like a smaller scale, but in these ACC and SEC schools, whereas the Pac 12, their their facilities are just down a little bit. Same with the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have plans, but you want it now. So, where can I get the recruits now? And where can they go to play in a big stadium? ACC and SEC. So, it is really incre- impressive how the sport has grown and those two conferences specifically.
1: And it's fun to watch. Mac and I, um, we're going to talk about a little later on in the show, are this or that question, which sport would you rather watch, softball or baseball? We're both leaning softball. I yeah. I truly would. So, and I think a lot of people do feel that way. I, I've learned that in Clemson. The, the reaction has been amazing. All right, Amanda, we're going to put you on the spot one more time. If you had to pick one ACC team that has the best chance to make it to Oklahoma City, if you think more than one, by all means, but yeah, if you had to pick one, right on all it? five off. Yeah, 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 all five. <laughs> You know, the best chance to make it, I think,
2: would be Duke. Mm. Um, now, if they make it out of the regional and then they make it to Supers, they have to play Florida. And you're going up against a team that just really knows how to win. Like, they, I wouldn't say that Florida is the most talented team and they're the four seed. They're not the most talented team, but they just they have a winning culture. They know how to win. So it's going to be tough but it's a good matchup for them. They they don't hit a ton of home runs or not this major offense. I feel like it would be a good matchup for them. So I'm going with Duke.
1: I wish Duke was hosting. I wish they had that opportunity because it probably would help them. Yeah. That's a weird situation where they're the uh, national seed, but they're playing in Georgia. So once they get through that, but I like it. Okay, good pick. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Amanda, this so was hard. so much fun. Th- thank you for joining us. Just adding a a new uh, weapon to the repertoire here for Lane and Lake. Just all the knowledge of softball We really appreciate your time.
2: Thanks for having me and covering our sport. We appreciate it.
1: That was Amanda Scarborough. We really appreciate her time. When I was trying to coordinate with her to get her on, you wouldn't believe her schedule. It's (laughs) unbelievable. The mayhem is what they call it in the softball world. So the fact that she made some time for us, we're honored.
0: Listen, when you're the best, you've got a lot of stuff to do. And like you just said, we are honored that she came on to Gramlich and MacLean and just dropped knowledge bombs left and right. Really appreciate Amanda's time.
1: Okay, Mac, we're going to start doing a fun new segment on the Gramlich and MacLane podcast called This or That. Each week, we will discuss a couple of topics and decide, would you take this one? Would you take that one? This or that? It's a brand new game in the history of humanity. No one's ever played this game before. <laughs> it is very
0: unique and original to this podcast. <laughs> and anyone that says otherwise, uh, you know, you can talk to my lawyer, and we can figure it out.
1: Uh, yeah. But let, yeah, let's yeah. let's
0: get it started here. With obviously the theme of the day has been playing with a stick and hitting a ball as hard as you can. So <laughs> this or that, Kelly? Would you rather watch softball or a baseball game?
1: Oh man. This is tough. It's actually not. It's not tough for me. Um, The answer is softball. The answer is softball. Now, look, I am not a baseball hater. I respect so much what it takes to play baseball, to uh, succeed at it. My cousin plays for the San Francisco Giants. I humble brag. I know that it takes. I mean, he was in the minors for like eight years. It is a grind. And. To be successful, whether you're a pitcher or whatever, you have a very specific set of skills, and it's tough to be elite. It's incredibly difficult. That being said, baseball is slow, and it takes too long. Those are my two main things with baseball. Softball is fast, and these games are over in two hours. And that's what I prefer about softball. And I'm not saying baseball needs to change. Like Baseball can stay how they want. But I just I prefer the speed of the game with softball. What about you,
0: Mac? I completely agree with you, and I say baseball change. You're going to die. Okay. You need to do better. You need to adapt and you know figure it out. I'm right there with you. I love softball. I love how fast it is. I love that man. If you have an elite pitcher that can just really dominate the game, and then you have these elite pitchers like Clemson has uh, and like UCLA has that. Can also be really, really good hitters, and can just be this complete player. And I know that in the majors, and you know, maybe even some in, in college or high school, you know, pitchers for uh, baseball can also hit. But softball is just fun, and it's fun to watch. It's fun to see it. You know, these girls just hitting absolute bombs out of the park. So I'm with you. I'm softball all day, and uh, you know what a fun year it's been, and cannot wait to see this tournament.
1: What else I like about softball is seven innings. Like, I think seven innings, you get the job done. That's right. Baseball would never, would never switch. I get that. <laughs> but when they play their double headers, they do seven. But why does it have to be nine? I don't know. Because I, I, it's always been that way. I mean, that's just, that's the what they've always done. The seventh inning stretch
0: needs to be the seventh inning walk to your car. The, the
1: seventh inning game <laughs> over.
0: <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I agree. Good to know that we relate on this. Sorry, baseball.
1: baseball. Sorry. We, again, it is a difficult game. It is very tough to be elite at baseball. All right, Mac, our second question of the day on this or that. Which of these two ACC QBs, you got to pick one or the other. If you think it's going to be a third, you can let me know. But which of these two guys will lead the ACC in passing yards next season? Will it be North Carolina's Sam Howell or Clemson's DJ Uyunga Lele?
0: Ooh, this one's tough. I I like this because... I think when you look historically, we have Sam Howell that just has unbelievable numbers and a guy that just absolutely rockets it down the field, loves to throw the deep ball, has unbelievable accuracy doing so, and just a real a real balanced approach with the offense. Now, with that same breath, we've seen DJ Uyunglele have crazy success in his two starts against two pretty solid teams defensively, against Notre Dame, and against Boston College. So it's tough to say, you know, who is it gonna be? Who's gonna stand tall? And of course, I'm, I'm gonna get all the man, you're such a homer, you <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Back, these when are when two say G's. this. That's right. These are I I'm glad you pointed that out, Kelly. <laughs> I, I am light blue, baby blue, Carolina blue on one side, and purple and orange on the other. But I'm going with DJ. And, and the the reasoning is actually very simple. I, I think that Clemson has the better wide receivers this year. I think they're much deeper at wide receiver than UNC is this year. And the running game might be a little bit more of a question mark. You know, UNC has a transfer from Tennessee that, you know, had 3,000 plus all purpose yards. They're going to want to get him involved on the ground game. Clemson has a big question mark at running back. So I think we're going to see them throwing the ball a lot more this year, maybe similar to we did a year ago. Uh, So, Tar Heel fans, close your ears. I'm going with DJ.
1: Those are all great points. And I think specifically the wide receiver room at Clemson is a great point. And the fact that Clemson is probably not going to run the ball as much as they have in recent years. However, Mac, I'm going with Sam Howell for two main reasons here. First of all is, is mainly Howell and how prolific he's been offensively. Even last year, Mac, when UNC had two excellent running backs, he still passed for 3,500 yards in a shorter sample size. And yes, I have some questions about UNC's wide receivers as well. Uh, Antoine Green, he played pretty well in the Orange Bowl when he got his chance. The younger Brown brother is, is going to be in the action. Josh Downs is a slot guy that I think can develop. Those guys have to take some steps in the spring, which already happened, in the summer, and they have to, they have to be better. And they're not De'Ami Brown and they're not Daz Newsome. But I still think they have enough talent. My second reason And I know that we have some question marks with DJ, with who's going to back him up, but will DJU play in fourth quarters? I still think that Clemson is going to do what they have done in years past, even though the backup quarterback's a little bit of a question mark, and he might not be out there as much as Sam Howell. Therefore, passing attempts will be lower, those types of things. So I think Howell is going to be prolific, just like he was last year. I think DJU is as well. But Clemson just has a little more balance, and I still think they are going to run the ball, whereas North Carolina is probably going to need to rely on Sam Howell to do everything.
0: You see, that last point that you made right there is why you are the captain, the MVP, the point guard of this podcast. I love the fact that you know Clemson, quite frankly, is probably blowing people out, and DJ is not going to be in the game. And and that's something that it seems like every year we discuss that. That's why you don't see a Clemson player – Mm-hmm. Uh, necessarily in New York or winning a Heisman is just because of the stats and it's become such a numbers award that Clemson probably just will never get to that because they value subbing people in, they value experience, they value gaining experience in real game situations. And that could be the reason uh, why, you know, DJ, he just doesn't have enough attempts. You know, Sam Sam might have so many more uh, completions and, and pass attempts than him that It's not even possible for DJ. So I love that. Uh, I've got one more for you. And this isn't on the rundown. Kelly has no clue that this is coming. And this is a little bit more of a a funny question. Would you rather take a blindside sack, be the quarterback, and get blindsided? You don't know what's happening. You're just about to get clobbered. Or would you rather be in the open field, see this massive linebacker coming, about to just lay you out, but you see him. And get hit. Which which one of those would you rather experience?
1: Oh my gosh! Are you okay? Is the second scenario kind of like you catching a pass over the middle, and you might see the Either guy? That, out of your, I mean, it your could be that. Vision? It could
0: be you just running. Regardless, one of them is you're seeing that you're about to get de- yeah. to just demolish. The other is you don't know what's about to happen.
1: I thought your second option was going to be hit in the face with a fastball <laughs> like that guy the other night.
0: For the that Met. was scary. That was very scary. By the way, I'm glad he's you know uh, what? Hopefully okay.
1: I would say I'd prefer to see him, see the person hitting me because maybe I can, I can take a second to react and fall (laughs) in a better way. And Max laughing like, no, you won't have any second to react, (laughs) but you know, maybe I can do something. Whereas that blindside hit, sometimes those quarterbacks, they're not bracing for impact. And so they almost, they just, you know, they look like a dummy being hit.
0: <laughs> like a ragdoll. In those
1: those car accident, you know, examples and stuff. So I think I would prefer to see it, but both those sound awful. And it's, you know, one of the many reasons, including the fact that I am a woman and all these different types of things that I did not play football because uh, I ain't tough enough for that, Matt. There's I, I no way.
0: I understand. Well, let me tell you, I, I'm with you. I want to see it and I want to embrace it. And, and okay. at least try to protect myself because uh, then, you know, you can protect the ball. You can protect yourself if you don't know it's coming. I mean, that sounds like fumble city oh, to me. Yes. And, and I and, want no of part course, of that.
1: <laughs> Mac's not even thinking about his own body. He's just thinking about where's the football football. I got to make sure I keep the football. I can't We No fumbles. <laughs> That's that, right. that is the football player in you, Mac.
0: It's not about me. It's about the team. No question. Oh, about I it. I
1: love it. I love it. Speaking of our team. Richmond Weaver, he produces this podcast. He does an absolutely awesome job. Sometimes we put him up you know, against the wire. We have a guest that can only do a certain time and he's amazing. So check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports, on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your pods.
0: Guys, that is it for another great week of Gramlich and MacLane. We always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little rating, a five-star review. We would appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.